You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, this is Robert Wright. One thing I like about the conversations I have here on The Wright Show is that they help me think and write. They've informed the books and many of the articles I've written over the past 15 years. Now, lately, most of my writing has been for my newsletter, the Non-Zero Newsletter. It covers the kinds of topics you see on the show. Politics, foreign policy, psychology, philosophy, spirituality, how to avoid the apocalypse, things like that. So if you enjoy The Right Show, chances are pretty good that you'll enjoy the newsletter. It's free, and all you have to do to get it is go to nonzero.org and sign up. So I suggest that you hit pause, go sign up, and then hit play. Thanks. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. Uh, what does the hat say? What do you think it says? Uh, it, it looks like you could say MAGA, but it may, it may be more like, what, Open Up America again? What's the new slogan? No, it's, it's, uh, uh woo It's a Rorschach test. I'm scared to wear this hat around my neighborhood because everybody thinks it's a Trump hat. It's red. It is, it's, in fact, a harmless Venice Beach, California hat. Oh, uh, but you're so, you're a sly one, Mickey. But I can still be the victim of anti-Trump violence, so, um... That's brilliant. You can play the victim card without actually engaging in provocation. So you'll you'll have the stronger hand when it come when it goes to when, court. When 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 I wheel in in my wheelchair when I wheel into court, having been beaten up by these vicious anti MAGA people in this neighborhood. Actually, I'm in Beverly Hills. Yeah, uh, the poor side of Beverly Hills. Yeah, well, I really. And, I just uh, want to extend my my sympathies to you, Mickey. <laughs> Uh, that's where my parents had their home. And um, it's actually a, a, a rare pocket of Trump's support because there's a huge Persian contingent here, and they tend to be quite conservative. And there are a few uh, precincts that actually went for Trump, which is really rare on the west side of Los Angeles. Hmm. I'm, I'm sure you're happy I filled you in on that. Yeah, I, I was wondering about that very thing just last night. Couldn't get to bed. I was wondering, like, how do the Persians in Southern California vote? But, Mickey, I think we should, um, you know, welcome people to another episode of... And once again, sitting in for Steve Bannon is... Uh, Steve Bannon look like Mickey Cow. So this is our what our fourth uh, podcast. Is that my role? I'm supposed to be the Steve Bannon figure here. Okay. Well, well you're wearing a MAGA look like hat. Um, I am wearing. I am you, wearing you three did, layers. So did, I think you, I'm. I, I'm. A, I'm only a couple layers short of a Bannon. And you did vote for Trump, right? I did in 2016. <laughs> well, that was we the only time. That was the only time you could, Mickey. So. um Okay, so pandemic-related things. Seems to me a couple things are going on. Uh, first of all, not as much progress fighting the actual pandemic this week as we might have hoped. I can get into that in terms of, you know, death count. Um, Trump is, in terms of reopening, Trump is kind of passing the buck to the governors, which I think is maybe smart politically, and in any event, he had no choice. There's there's new news on the did, it, did the virus escape from a laboratory front. Talk about that. Well, why, do, why don't you start with the lack of progress? Okay, I'll do that. I want to tease one thing, though. One other thing. If Steve Bannon is, as he likes to think, shaping future Trump messaging, then we will soon see 
Trump turn on Anthony Fauci in a big way and use him as scapegoat number three after China, the World Health or- the World is, Health Organization. Is Bannon pro lockdown or anti lockdown? He was pro lockdown before. Oh, he was so- he was pro super firm lockdown. Like this wasn't enough for him. But but he's rolling with the punches because he wants to stay in Trump's good graces. So. Now, so he's, he's shifting to anti-lockdown on he's a not dime? Anti, he's an, not anti, but he's, you know, he's not fighting the, the kind of opening that clearly in his hearts he thinks is too early, the opening that's going to be rolled out. No, it sounds like he's doing more. It sounds like he's going on offense against Fauci. Totally. Uh, uh, which would imply that he's for accelerating the opening. Well, no, the Fauci thing is about a scapegoat. The the uh, you know a few weeks ago he was pretty much pro Fauci, occasionally criticized him, but now it's almost like it's like Fauci and China are competing for airtime in terms of like Bannon denunciation on his podcast. Um, and it's that's like, disappointing. Well, it is. I mean, there's two things. There's two ways they're setting Fauci up. Um, one is they're they're going to claim that it was Fauci's uh, fault for not alerting Trump earlier. They keep playing these reels of. Of, of non-alarmist things Fauci was saying in January and February when they're saying he should have been more alarmist. Um, and then secondly, they're saying he's spending so much time on media that he's just not doing his job. And that, and, and I think that'll help explain any disarray we may see in the, he, and, and then finally, did you hear about the tender thing? I heard the Tinder thing, yes. Yeah. So Fauci uh, answered, he was doing some Snapchat call in and they say, well, can we do, Tinder hookups? <laughs> I, was he, and he, and he, was wasn't, he trying to be hip? It's ridiculous. Well, what he said was, I, I mean, I think it was definitely a deficient response. What he said was, uh, well, you know, there are different levels of engagement. If you want to invite somebody over, get to know them, both put a mask on, sit in a room and talk. You know, different people have different risk uh, tolerances. That's up to you. And he said, now, if you want to go further, meaning, you know, sexual intimacy, uh, depends on your risk profile. What, what he should have said was, um, keep in mind that you are not the only one at risk. If you contract a disease, you can give it to other people, including your parents, including blah, blah, blah. That, that was the big messaging error in my view. But why, why shouldn't he say, no, don't do it? Well, he could have gone further and said that, but if he wanted to sound reasonably hip and yet, and yet somewhat cautionary. He could have been more cautionary for sure. It was, it was, it was kind of a lapse. But, uh, um, it is inexplicable why he gave all these interviews. Uh, I mean, I mean, not, not in terms of taking up too much of his time, although obviously it does that, but also in terms of like endangering his job. Why give an interview to Maureen Dowd? Why, why let yourself be pumped up by the liberal press? which is trying to embarrass Trump and set you up as a foil. You don't want to be the foil. Well, he now also does become, conservative. you become the foil. He talks to anybody. He goes on Fox. Well, that's fine. Talking to Steph Curry, going on Fox, preaching to the unconverted is a great thing for him to do. Uh, letting himself be the tool of the liberal media to build him up, which they know will just enrage Trump, uh, is idiotic. Well, I, I guess it's e- I guess it's ego, and he doesn't like to turn people down. I guess that's the answer. Could be. I think he genuinely sees a big part of his job as public communication, and God knows somebody's got to do it. You're not getting coherent communication from Trump. But you, um, you, but you know what journalists are going to do. They're not going to do the communication part. They're going to do the what am I supposed to do? Jump in front of the microphone and stop this man? 
that's the quote they're going to use. If you well, give you know, them that I, quote, they're going to use that quote. That's the that's uh, you know interview one hundred and one. I've made that mistake myself. Here's what could be part of the problem. Uh, I heard a, a, an interview he did, I think, with the Daily, one of many media interviews, and he said. They said, well, how hard are you working? He said, well, I'm lucky to get to bed by midnight, and I get up at 4 or 5 in the morning. Now, Fauci's 79 years old. It could be that he needs more than 4.5 hours of sleep a night. Um, no kidding. But, uh, you, know, he, I, I, you know, I think you've said he's not as crisply articulate as he was. I mean, who is at, at 79? Look, he's doing better than Joe Biden. Look at it that way. Um, he is? Okay. But but he's yeah. not he's not what he was he's not what he was in the nineties. None of us is what we he's were. He's not in the as 90s. articulate as he was during the AIDS epidemic or the Ebola epidemic, where he was a hero. Remember us in the nineties? We were razor sharp, Mickey. Do you remember that? I've never been sharper, Bob, than you are now. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, there's oh. been a steep decline. Um, the, so. so should I, should I do quick review of deaths? Quick review of why we're not why we're not uh, doing as well as we well, thought. Well, um, as of last week, the the unofficial official model, the University of Washington model, which the the administration has invoked as being the closest thing to a model, it's depending on. Has, Is, have they? they I, I, yeah, I yeah they, they did mention it early on, and so they it's mentioned this it. Thing. But did they say it was their main model? That's one of the. That's one of my beefs with. I, Alex Berenson is everybody's attacking this Washington model, but I'm sure they have other models. I mean, they say they're looking at a number. They gave it some kind of special shout out. Look, one frequent ban and criticism, which I'm on board with, is what is the methodology? You should be transparent about your model. Even the University of Washington's not transparent, but in any event, the administration, so far as I know, at least, I looked on their site, I don't see a clear explanation of exactly what the methodology is. Um, but the administration should tell us what's the basis for these estimates. And anyway, the, um, so as of last week, it was revised sharply downward from 80,000 to 61,000 when you and I taped, that is, last Friday. Um, this is the University of Washington model. Um, then on Monday, back up to 68. But but if you look at even that model, 68,000, uh, and this is by August 4th, assuming shutdown through May, the, um, uh, the last two days, you know, we should already be past the peak and, and, go, and heading downward in terms of number of deaths. And the, and the last two previous two days, yesterday and the day before, should have been under 2,000 deaths per day in the nation, according to this model. Actually, it was over 2,000. We don't seem to be heading downward. It's more like a plateau than a downward slope. So I think you're going to see an upward adjustment on Monday uh, of, of this model. And in general, I just think, you know, some of the indicators, I think, look good, new hospitalizations and so on. But this is a – and, of course, part of it is the death takes a long time to happen, you know. But um, still, this is these are worse numbers than were anticipated, uh, and this virus—the transmissibility of the virus—is amazing. It's just a very stubborn virus. Yeah, no, that's the impression I got too. The other, the you had mentioned the White House guidelines. It seemed to me the takeaway from the White House guidelines was not—you know—the press made a big deal about how he he said he had total authority, then he gave. The governor's authority, fine, that happened. But the important thing is, A, they're incredibly loose. Uh, mm-hmm. y- you show a decline in COVID 
cases, which is a complete artifact of testing, and restaurants open in phase one. Right. I well, mean, not, I mean, it's insane. Not they only is the restaurants have to have social distancing, but you know, they they so you have restaurants open that are half full. It's still insane. Uh, so they're incredibly loose. And the other thing is they've given up on testing. They only require testing of healthcare personnel. They do not require testing of the population. So those were the two, to my mind, the leads of the story was just the, 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 they were completely flaccid and permissive. Well, it's loose generally, and ultimately the plans that matter are going to be the ones that emerge for these now three sets of governors, the East Coast uh, cluster of seven states, the West Coast three states, and now there's a Midwestern cluster of, of, of red and blue states. Yes, yeah, somebody should uh, bring Joel Garreau on. He's the guy who wrote The Nine Nations of the United States or something, how the country was really split into nine parts. Well, his vision is happening before our eyes, right? Uh, I hadn't thought of I hadn't thought of him. Um, I haven't thought of him in a while. I think he was a New America guy too. Last week we talked about Michael Lind, who was well, the the um, yeah no. I, well, well, the first thing I thought of, you know, the first two clusters of governors were blue all blue state governors, and I thought like, wow, both of them uh, are immediately adjacent to Canada. If they just leased a strip of land from Canada, this could be a continuous, you know, little secession movement, and pretty soon you got you got a whole new blue country. <laughs> But um, now we have a red look, and blue coalition in in the uh, in in the Midwest. It would look like headphones, so you can call them the yeah. headphone coalition. That's that's genius branding. If, if <laughs> I, I I think there's a job for you in the first uh, blue administration. You know, if, if Canada is America's hat, you know we're these are the headphones. Keep going with this metaphor, Mickey. Don't stop now. <laughs> it's just it's really working. Um, uh, the the uh, so wait, where was I? So no, I, I totally agree. Uh, you're, you're, um, the, the, it isn't just that. Okay, so they, the, you know, the administration. I mean, we remember the first of all. There was this weird phase where Trump did the mutiny on the bounty tweet, where he acted like he was going to try to impose his will on all these states. Somebody probably explained to him he'd be on weak constitutional ground or something, and and he may have figured out politically it may be smart to pass the buck to the governor. Say he can blame them for anything now. They're in charge of the of the reopening. If they did it too soon, That's they did it the too press late. Is saying. Yeah, true. no, I don't think he was on weak constitutional ground. If he got Congress to go along as well, a good, unilateral good matter, that. he might have been weak. But he, good, he, sorry, good luck getting the House to go along. Well, I mean, Pelosi keeps arguing for stricter, longer lockdown, so he should be able to get Pelosi to sign off, okay. uh, you would think. Uh, but anyway, he he doesn't do well in negotiations with Congress. But they, the left, the bizarre thing of the left is all of a sudden to oppose Trump, they they embrace states' rights and the governors have the power. Well, the whole the whole history of liberal constitutional uh, jurisprudence as 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 of when I went to law school, which was centuries ago, was that the federal power was ascendant and basically the Commerce Clause let the federal government do anything. It certainly lets uh, the government uh, vapor, you know, override state laws that are restricting commerce and bars and restaurants. If Congress passed a law, the governors wouldn't have a leg to stand on, uh, I don't think. Uh, so uh, I, I just wanted to Add that little legal wrinkle. I'm not sure he, the, the, the everybody's saying, oh, he's, he's wrong constitutionally. I think they're half wrong.
But he was acting as if the president alone could right, impose but the, the authority. But the reaction is, no, it's the state's authority. No, it's not the state's authority. If the federal government, via Congress, wants to pass a law and step in, I think they win. Uh, maybe, but in the absence of congressional I mean, mandate. The, the key case is this case, Wickard versus Filburn, which was a New Deal case where they said the government could uh, stop a farmer growing wheat for his own consumption, wheat that never made it to market, okay? And the Commerce Clause even let them do that. So if the Commerce Clause lets them do that, it lets them close down a bar and restaurant that isn't fact, part of interstate I would think that's safe to say. So they let Congress tell a farmer he couldn't grow wheat for his own consumption only? Correct. Because it might, he would, I assume it it somehow affects market prices anyway. Okay, you win that one. And they say you're not (laughs) as sharp as in the 90s. And this is what I say to him. Listen to the podcast. You will be pleasantly surprised. Everybody knows Wickard versus Filburn. It's a cliche now. Yeah, I know. So, but on this, I want to say one more thing about, so you're right. The guidelines are, are pretty loosey-goosey. They open up the restaurants and, and sporting events and everything, assuming, you know, social distancing guidelines in phase one. And the criterion for opening up, again, the states probably won't follow this, but as you said, it's a decline in cases for two weeks. Now, now, first problem, as you note, is what, you know, decline is to some extent a function of how many tests you're doing. But I think there's another problem, which is that even if you've got the number right – it doesn't make sense to have a relative index be the guide, right? I mean, if you're like New York and you get a slight decline for two weeks, you've still got too big a problem to reopen. Whereas if you're like Nebraska or some state with little, uh, very little problem, it could be that, you know, you stay on your plateau and, and you're in better shape than New York. And so it would make more sense to reopen. It's just a, the, the standard, what you've, what I had heard from actual experts as the criterion is this so-called R not. You've heard about this? It's like the letter R with Everybody the subscript zero. Everybody owes R not. Uh, and, and, and that's the rate of transmissibility. And what they say is once the average person is only transmitting it to one other person, that should be the, the threshold in any event, whether, it, whether it's R equals R not equals one or whatever, some R not index seems to me to make much more sense. How do, how do you how do you measure R not? I mean, it seems I understand the concept, but there's no R not meter well, you can take out and measure, right? Well, in an ideal world, if you knew everyone who had it, and you said, "Well, today, uh, you know, or, or two weeks ago, a hundred thousand people had it," and and look, um, you know, and a month from now. How many additional, you know, how many new people have? It, it would be some kind of time series measurement where basically the number of cases, I guess, is not growing over time in some sense if R equals one. But that's the, isn't that the same thing as the criteria that they are using now? No, is- no, they're saying if you if you're at R seven and two weeks later you're at R six, it's time to reopen. That's what they're right, saying. Okay. Okay. Uh, I mean, although it isn't R not they're measuring, but still it could be that case. They're saying if you're caseload or something declines right. a little for right, two right, weeks, right, you're right, good. Right. It should be it, an absolute measurement that they're, they're both a function of testing that we don't have. So, well, yeah, they're uh, both they're both somewhat idealized numbers that you you don't you um, don't exactly have. The, the the other thing, which was um, actually there was a pretty good uh, email called Essential Politics from the L.A. Times that highlighted this, which is Trump's wild claims of 
where he expects to end up, presumably before the election, I think, which is a university, a University of Alabama football game where every seat is filled. Not every other seat, but every seat. And all restaurants, if they seat 150 people, they're seating 150 people. Uh, that's obviously the goal everybody wants. Did Trump but, say that? Uh, apparently, yes. Hmm. Good the luck. Meeting, his, his press conference went three hours. Did you watch the whole thing? I didn't. Um, no. We're approaching Fidel Castro uh, <laughs> lengths here. Uh, so, uh, but yes, and uh, he didn't explicitly, I think, say before the election, but he he seems to have a wildly exaggerated public view of where he can get to and how fast, uh, which is alarming for as from a public safety point of view, but assuming he doesn't put that into place, it's alarming if you're a Trump supporter and you think your election strategy somehow hinges on getting back to normal before November. Because uh, I don't think we're going to get back to normal before November. He could, he he could still say, "Well, we've come a long way," or something, or "I'm pushing to, I'm on your side. I'm pushing to have it open against the evil Fauci." If he doesn't have Fauci, to, by the way, who does he attack? Then he needs a foil. So who's going to be the well, next foil? Uh, I mean, first of all, he may not. I'm not saying this will happen at all, but but he could wait quite a while to start. I don't know that Trump could ever afford to explicitly blame Fauci, um, but he could have surrogates do it. He could eventually maybe maybe fire him. I don't know that that right now that would be, of course, highly risky. But um, I, don't I don't know. Think but, he can fire him. He can't. I don't think he can fire him. He can. I guess he can get. Oh, he can fire the CDC him. guy to fire him. Sure. We can kick him off the task force, but I think he's a civil servant. Well, he can do that, too. I mean, he can – apparently, he was not – Fauci was not at the Trump press conference either yesterday or the day before, as I I believe. So that's one – possibly one sign. But um, I don't know about today is – again, we're taping this on Friday, and I guess the press conference hasn't happened. And we don't have today's uh, numbers either. But, um, you know, yeah, no, Trump is – look – I mean, you know, some of this gets back to what's going on in that brain. I mean, does is does he have anything like a clear understanding of the nature of this virus? You know, famously, he tweeted or said one thing that seemed pretty strongly to indicate that he thought that antibiotics kill viruses, which they don't. Only today he looked at uh, the fact that China had... Uh, said they had been undercounting deaths, and so they've increased the total number of deaths by 50%. And Trump, Trump tweeted that that was double the number of deaths as before. He thought a 50% increase apparently is the same as doubling. I mean, I, I, you tell, what is your honest assessment of the extent to which even now, after months, he grasps the nature of the challenge here? I don't know. My, uh, every time I think, uh, his public uh, tweets, even his tweets, are actually reflective of what he thinks. Then you read some story about how, in private, he's actually much more sophisticated, and you know, he he thinks uh, this this tactic is working and that tactic isn't working, and they're all just tactics. Even the tweets. So uh, that's sort of my that's sort of my impression is that the blaming Fauci, blaming who. The WHO, uh, he recognizes that they're just tactics. He doesn't actually think Fauci is giving him bad advice or 
that the you know that the WHO is the WHO's fault. Uh, he maybe have tremendous. He may he may actually think he didn't screw up in the beginning. That's sort of hard to believe. Oh, I'll bet. Uh, no, I think he does believe that. I, I mean, I think. I I I I I do. This is one reason I'm always reluctant to use the word lying about uh, false things he says. I think he's. It's just unclear to me the extent to which he's ever honestly aware of what he's actually done in the past. I think he may be one of these people who 100% believes his stories. I just don't know. Um, uh, maybe you should listen to Steve Bannon. Maybe he'll tell you. Maybe, although I got to say the podcast is starting to get a little old. I mean, just the, just the relentless China bashing and now Fauci bashing. I mean, I you, Do, he has a bunch of smart people working for him. Do they all turn in lockstep and suddenly start bashing Fauci too? They agree it's, on the major themes like China bad, Fauci bad. There's no dissent on those. They, they, they disagree on like minor things, but, but, you know, I think there's, there's this sense that there's kind of a messaging central. There's a kind of, there's official lines on important things and they're, they're, hmm. um, they're united. I mean, like they may disagree. Like, for example, one of them was saying today, Fauci should be fired for the tender thing. And the other one yeah. said, I don't think you should be fired. You know, it's like, it's that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, Bob, I have a, speaking of Trump, uh, he, he does have this information apparatus that this bit is trying to, you know, deflect blame onto the press and onto other people, uh, for the initial slow startup, uh, of, of reaction to this. And, um, uh, I have a confession to make, which is I am officially in their eyes a Trump surrogate, uh, meaning uh, they invite me to their little, uh, sometimes informative, sometimes not. Uh, they have a what, what's what's the word when you talk on the phone to a bunch of people? They have conference those call, conference call, and there they you say go. you're not as sharp as you were in the '90s, <laughs> Mickey. You haven't lost With, a step. Listen, uh, who are these people? Who are, who are you on? Who are you on these conference calls with? A bunch of people who are Trump surrogates, like, you know, ex-politicians who are now on the right, you know, running pro-Trump PACs and. I was kind of uh, hoping to get actual of, names. A names bunch of, of yeah, I don't want to do it because it's off the record. Uh, hmm. they, uh, you know, a bunch of religious leaders. People I've uh, heard of? Right wingers. Some maybe, probably not. Uh, and, um, so, uh, and it's weird because at the, at the beginning of the call, there's this voice that says, this is a, this is off the record. If you are, you know, not intended for press purposes, if you are a journalist, hang up now. Okay. And I think of myself as a journalist. So the first time I heard that I hung up, right. And uh, uh, and then I was orders, told, as you know, no, they they really they know who I am and they they want me to be on. Maybe they don't want me to be on anymore. But it's weird because Maggie Haberman reported uh, from some from the latest conference call that they spent minutes and minutes talking about Trump's travel ban and how effective it was. And I don't remember that. Uh, so uh, it's it's it, it. And why did she even post that? But. Wait, she wrote to, about she wrote about this conference she call. She tweeted about it. She tweeted about it. She hasn't done a uh, piece about it. 
No, it's not important enough to do a piece. Of course, it's, it's important. It's, is this like it's the a, Trump? It's a damn what is this? Is this like cause. a? Is this? I mean, how high up on the hierarchy of Trump propaganda is this conference call? Is this like the main Trump propaganda conference? No, call? it's it's way down in the hierarchy, and it's uh, it, the idea that Trump is talking about how important his travel ban is. I mean, he's talked about it that incessantly himself. What? Who cares if the if the if a if a conference call echoes that point, it's not a new point. Yes, he 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 makes a big deal of his ban. That's his the one thing he has to hang his hat on. Uh, hmm. So it was a total non-story. It just led me to, you know, how how easy is it to uh, get Maggie Haberman to tweet something that's really suspect? I don't know. Hey, speaking of media coverage that should drive uh, people crazy, did you see the? Um the, the the tweet with the four CNN Chirons, is that it? C-H-Y-R-O-N, is that the I word? did see that. I mean, it's is, were they, they real? Were they real? I think they were real, and they, the CNN person tweeted it out as, as a boast. Look how horrible Trump was. Let me read them. So this is like, during Trump's press conference, this is a series of things that says at the bottom of the screen on CNN. First, angry Trump turns briefing into propaganda session. Then Trump next next screen. Trump refuses to acknowledge any mistakes. Then Trump uses task force briefing to try and rewrite history on coronavirus response. <laughs> and then Trump melts down in angry response to reports he ignored virus warnings. I mean, I thought this was like the Onion. I, I, I this is amazing. You know, this I is not. It was real. Maybe it was fake, but I assume it's real. I think it was real. I think it was real. Um, and. And it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. That's how bad things have gotten. That's what happens when you let millennials get hold of the Chiron. Oh, look what else I've gotten. Now, now this is weird. Do you remember last week I said I talked about Bannon having had this guy from the Epic Times, this Falun Gong outfit, uh, the, you know, newspaper that is. There are uh, a lot of actually respectable people that write for them, and they have they publish good news. Okay, but- great. But here's what's weird: I had never before gotten like a copy delivered to my home look what happens i mention it on our podcast look what shows up today this is the epic times the At big story doorstep? is how yeah like in my mail how the chinese communist party endangered the world that's the big story but there it's not like that's the only story they cover here's the other stories on the front page how china's cover-up led to a global pandemic china's attempt to shift blame for virus to u.s 21 million fewer cell phone users in China may suggest a high death toll. <laughs> that would be high. The, the mysterious origins of the CCP virus and so on. There's two more on the same theme, uh, and that's the front page of the Epic Times. But I, I think it's weird. Are they delivering these to all homes in America, or, or is it just like a response to our podcast? I didn't get it. Where's my copy? That's what I want to know. Do you think – That is – that's very energetic of them. It's It's – Almost as creepy as $1,200 from the IRS suddenly appearing in my bank account. Did that happen? That happened. Uh, I should check two days mine. ago. Uh, and I guess, I guess the answer is I got an electronic refund that deposited there, but it was still creepy. So uh, this, this propaganda conference call you're part of, don't you think, don't you think you're better than this? I mean, don't you think you should be on a conference call that's higher in the, in the chain of Trump propaganda? I think it's the highest 
the highest surrogate call, but uh, oh, yes, it is. Of well, course. make up your mind. I thought you said it wasn't high in the chain. No, Trump should call me and give me a personal briefing. I think. What advice would, would you better. give him? What advice would you give him right now about how to seriously how to handle the pandemic? Huh. Um. I guess I would give him the same advice everybody gives him, which is emulate what Rudy Giuliani did after nine eleven and be calm and. And don't feel like you have to make huge news every day and, uh, you know, say you're, give the country the impression that it's in, a, it's under the control of a strong, steady hand. And if that's not you, then let the other people, uh, on the podium, uh, including the medics, but also the various admirals you've promoted, you've appointed to run various things, uh, you know, stake their, give their peace and just be the master of ceremonies. Uh, and, but, uh, he, he, and also I would say, you know, uh, you know, prep people for it being a long haul that will eventually be victorious and give them all the good news you can, like this uh, new, this new treatment that's showing promise, supposedly. But uh, but this is a new new treatment, actual, right? This is no longer hydroxychloroquine. I mean, now I have to learn a new one to pronounce. Yes, this is unpronounceable. Is it the one <laughs> that starts with R? Resveratrol yes. or something? This is the Gilead drug. Just call it the Gilead drug. Okay, Gilead drug. Um, but there 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 are dozens and dozens of them in in development. So, uh, but anyway, it you know I'm I'm. I, I'm glad we have a president who wants to open up. That's fine. And say you'll keep pushing for it, but you're not going to do it a day sooner than is, is, is justified. So, uh, well, not exactly, a, not exactly a let Trump be Trump strategy. If you're, if you're recommending that he not feel compelled to make big news each day. Well, this it's, is a situation where letting Trump be Trump probably is counterproductive. Possibly. Um, uh, so what did you think of his, uh, liberate michigan tweet so we, we've got you know this is, this is an interesting thing right you've got this kind of right-wing insurrection in some of these states they they're demanding that they open up you got like i guess michigan minnesota wisconsin i mean you have some number of protesters at least apparently some of them have actual guns they're bearing arms and trump tweets liberate michigan liberate blah liberate but what do you think of that well it was all theater i mean they weren't actually shooting anybody up not yet, but uh, there. Well, there's there's a, there's a standard sort of type of right wing protest where everybody brings their gun and nothing happens, which is usually the case. Uh, the um, uh, and even the one, the one violent one in Charlottesville was not did not involve anybody shooting anybody. Uh, the uh, so. It, it, it seems it's slightly irresponsible theater on the part of Trump. I mean, it's obviously uh, a political move, and I, I I I don't like this whole idea where everybody on the right has has moved uh, to this this uh, you know the Alex Berenson open it up position. They've moved beyond that actually. If you read what Alex Berenson wants to do, it's relatively tame compared with what they want to do. But there is this divide emerging. What, where the, what do they want to do? I think they want open to it gradually up. send everybody back to school and open up the restaurants and not have any restrictions. Yeah. Uh, and, and somehow isolate the elderly. Uh, if, if, if they even mention that. Uh, 
it's weird. I was very sympathetic to the Michigan governor. You know, this this idea that you would ban the sale of seeds in an era where people are want to grow their own food is insane. Uh, but they're always stupid bureaucratic overreach when when you when you try to very quickly uh, issue broad decrees. Uh, so uh, you know, I, I I it seemed to me that the the right was picking on these little things, but has she corrected it? I don't know. She the, she uh, seems. I've only seen a little of her. She seems kind of impressive. I mean, if she's little bit of discussion of her as a vice presidential candidate. Do you, are you impressed by her? No, she seems to be grandstanding. But oh, uh, we don't want that. Uh, but I don't know who's who is the impressive. Vice presidential. I don't candidate. know. People are talking about either Kamala Harris or Amy Klobuchar, and I'm not getting well, excited about either of those. Klobuchar is obviously better than. Uh, I don't know. Oh, I think Harris. I think I think Kamala Harris is a better, performatively much better. I mean, Amy. She's Klobuchar, terrible. People hated her. Well, I don't know why. She I had mean, the chance of a lifetime. Well, the voters don't like her, so that's a test. The dog, but she's you know? just well. Look, Amy Klobuchar. I've never seen this combination before. Hair shake, voice quake. It's weird. It's weird. And and uh, I, I I don't know. It it, it 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 like makes me nervous to watch her talk. Well, you do get the impression that she knows what she knows, but she but that's not enough. Uh, she there was something she she's very very sort of state legislator governor. I'm here to cut a deal. Uh, and and she seems like a very decent person, but there was something, some misstep she made that showed that was very revealing, and it showed that that she really didn't understand what she didn't, you know, the things she didn't know, she really didn't know, or they were important for her to know. I forget what it was, but it, it really shook my faith in her. She, I, I don't mind the quaking and the shaking. You know, she's like a Jewish mom, so Shake, it doesn't bother me. Shaker, I know a lot of them shaker and Quaker. They're two commonly confused. Uh, Religious groups, by the uh, way, they are not the same. They are not the same. Shakers so, forbade procreation, and as a result, there are very few of them now. Anyway, I was, uh, I, I people were trying to think of names for this, this what we have here, this thing of ours. Oh yeah, there have been other nominations since uh, Battle Stations. My, there, my nomination was the distance, because because uh, the impression you want to Trump if Trump was a leader he would give mm-hmm. Americans the impression that it's not going to be instant gratification we're going to go the distance and people would take that people are mature oh I thought you meant it was but it's also about social distance right right it's a very clever oh so it's a double, double entendre. entendre yeah that's how sharp I am Bob. no man in the 90s you couldn't even do a single entendre this is amazing no, in the nineties I could do triple entendre. You could what do triple. Yeah, I remember the triple, uh, the triple axle with the with the double entendre. The um, so yeah, I'm 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 fine with the distance. It's a little uh, I don't know, artsy or something. It's a little, uh, it's not. I could live with it. I mean, we can let people weigh in, and if they like the distance, I could go it's with better, the distance. It's better than ventilator because ventilators are going to be yesterday's issue soon enough. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to date us. <laughs> No, I agree. The ventilator also, it's just a little grim. I'm sorry. And like pandemonium, you don't like pandemonium, right? It's okay. It's just like what everybody else's is called, right? Right. All the pandemic podcasts are called pandemonium. Yeah, yeah you're right. I forgot hard, about that. Since there are like 100 million people with podcasts and they're all looking for titles, it's hard to, it's hard to come up with an original one. 
Do you think there's going to be a podcast shakeout? Because, you know, a lot of podcasts are actually advertising supported. I mean, one thing you have with this pandemic is journalistic outlets are getting more attention than ever, but fewer ads than ever. And that's like a bad ratio to have to, you know, to be. It's so. And you've already had, uh, you know, bad news for specific outlets, uh, employment wise. Podcasts are already like blogs. Nobody makes money on. They just do it because they want to do it. Well, I don't know. Big outlets continue to open them as if they're money makers. I, I think the big uh, what's happened. The the analogy with blogs is that their innocence is dying. I mean, blogs originally you were in super early in the blogging thing. It was these individual people, their individual voices, individual followings. They would connect into these kinds of networks of mutual linking and so on, and then. Big platforms started buying up the high traffic bloggers, like for a while, the Atlantic had Andrew Sullivan, Matt Iglesias, and so on. And then blogs per se just receded into the background and the age of blogging was over. And similarly now, what you have is these big platforms starting very highly produced podcasts. You know, they, they don't have the informality that podcasts once have. They're certainly not like the, the ones that that I do just totally we're, unedited. At, we're approaching Biden levels of informality. Uh, this Biden's is dangerous. Not, Biden's not nearly as uh, unplugged as we are, right? He's is, pretty unplugged, I think. That's a mistake. <laughs> that's a mistake. Anyway, go ahead. I'm interrupting your thought. Well, that's the basic idea: is that the age of you know podcasts like this are a dying breed. I and, don't think I don't think you have the history right. Okay, but. Uh, what is the, what is I'm the, being very solipsistic. I don't think blogs died because big, because of a stand, you know, the standard concentration, big, big, uh, big outfits buy up the biggest bloggers. Uh, I think a, the, the first thing that killed them was the shift to, uh, uh, this platform where it provided an individual link to each blog post and then the search engines somehow rejiggered so that your your goal was to write a blog post that got other people to link to you. In other words, nobody was going to go see what Mickey Kaus was writing. Right. Right. They want to see Mickey Kaus's hot take that went viral, okay? Because cause, cause other people linked to it, okay? And that totally changed the whole game and it made the hot take somehow was the, the, the gold standard, was the viral hot take. Uh, and, and maybe that's just a function of there being more people in the game, but I don't think so. There was an SEO change in there. Uh, and uh, and people hated viral hot takes. <laughs> They're ridiculous, right? So, uh, and then when Twitter came along, Twitter took, you know, Twitter basically did everything a blog does in a, in a tenth of the time with twice the uh, interaction and twice the reach and ten times the reach. So who who wanted to read blogs anymore? Nobody well, did. Well, it, so, also, I, mean, I think Twitter, Twitter was the basic killer here. Twitter and social media generally obviated the need to go check in to any individual source. It's like you don't have to go to the New York Times even. Twitter will take you to the stories you want to read. And so the whole idea of a destination, you know, the homepage for even big sites is not what it used to be. And the uh, homepage at Slate, the homepage died 15 years ago. Right. That's I never uh, got hits from the homepage. um, Well, for a while, it it, it mattered. I used to fight to get on the homepage and then I realized it 
it didn't matter anymore. Well, less and less, and now it matters basically not at all. Anyway, uh, we'll see. The, uh, media is just one of a number of companies uh, uh, or businesses, um, you know, being hurt by this. And and I have no idea what. The, I mean, I do think uh, the economic considerations. Um, are going to become more and more dominant. I mean, that may be what kills Trump if, if something does in November is the economic fallout as much as the hell. Not the, not the decline of journalism. I mean, if the, no, generally, if Vox, the, if Vox Vice and Buzzfeed go broke and the LA Times goes broke, that would help. And, uh, that I don't think it affects it one way or the other. No, in fact, maybe some good news for him. I'm trying to think if this is true. Never if, mind. Uh, never mind that. But but the if, um, Archer, if Archer Daniels Midlands goes broke, that it will affect it. By the way, I said early on in uh, in saying that economic considerations do deserve some weight in in figuring out when to open up, how to open up. I said you know depressions kill people. Apparently, somebody brought this to my attention on Twitter. The, the mortality rate did not go up during the Great Depression. There were more suicides uh, after the market crash, but but on balance. It I thought I brought that up. Did you? I don't know. In my, on the podcast, you, you, my, haven't, you haven't lost a step. If you if you have, I have. But I was thinking of it. But, but I, I want to say I want to say there are people who think that the Great Depression had something to do with the rise of the Nazi Party in Germany, and that would count for something. Um, I mean, anyway, all kinds of bad things can happen in a, in a depression, including just new whole new whole different forms of human suffering and. Uh, social pathology and families not being sustainable and so on, uh, and, and, uh, spousal abuse. So, so I think it is, it's even in term, even in human terms, you know, it's good to avoid like huge depressions. Well, nobody's arguing. The question is, uh, obviously it should be a factor, but, uh, no, but some, no, 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 but some people talk it's, as it's if. It's the dominant factor for many people, and I think that's wrong. Oh, I think some people rhetorically go further. And if you even, you know, they act as if economic considerations are material, health considerations are human. I, I, there are people who talk as if that's the case. Um, maybe fewer than ever. Um, Dr. Oz got some blowback this week. Did you see that? I couldn't figure out uh, what... I didn't read the land. He, he 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 said deaths would only rise two or three percent if kids went back to school. That, and is it the total? Is it the total deaths for America of uh, uh, from the COVID virus? So if it's eighty thousand, that means uh, sixteen thousand more people would die if everybody went back to school. And that's not as bad as saying two or three percent of children in school would die, which is what people thought he if said. If you read the link, I, I actually tried to straighten this out on Twitter and as a result got like maybe 40 retweets and 80 likes, whereas all the people saying he said what he didn't say got like a billion retweets and he likes. He did say it. He admitted well, he misspoke. No, he was ambiguous. He was imprecise. What what He, he, you he said he argue, misspoke, so I... So well, he, he was imprecise. Anyway, what the Lancet – I mean, I, I think you could read what he said as meaning either what the Lancet article did say or what it didn't say. But anyway, what, what the Lancet article did say is uh, that closing schools had reduced the total death rate by the 2 to 3 percent, which is very, very – and by the way, almost none of those are kids anyway. They're talking about the deaths of people – 
uh, that kids transmit the virus to. So we're not even talking about the deaths of kids by and large. It turns out like in America today that the number we're talking about would be like 600 as opposed to a million deaths or something. Anyway, just another case study in uh, – in in Twitter and misinformation, but but he did he did speak imprecisely. He deserves it for that reason, I guess. But um, did you know that Sweden uh, has closed half their high school? In other words, they have they they apparently they have an upper high school and a lower high school cut off is age sixteen, so they've closed colleges and the upper high schools. So they haven't. So is that new? Exactly- I mean. No, but that's 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 always been the case. The point is that Sweden is not as loosey goosey as we think they are. It's really only the younger, but relatively loosey goosey compared with us. They're loosey goosey, but but you could be worse. So that uh, so I we I'm think just, that they may have to. Yeah, go ahead. I I, I I'm sort of a, annoyed that. Uh, the press has sort of behaved in sort of hack fashion, which is there, here's this pandemic. It's killing, you know, th- threatening all of society is plunging us into recession, uh, and, uh, threatens to kill hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. And all they care about is the racial disparity between, uh, blacks and, uh, and whites in terms of mortality. Uh, and they're applying the whole, and the other thing they do is they write these – this is – I'm giving you an avenue to attack me. They write these articles on how it's affecting migrant communities here and migrant communities there. And I've now read enough articles about how it's affected migrant communities, the most recent one in Sioux Falls, uh, that uh, I think, well, maybe there's a positive correlation between, uh, be- between migrant communities and uh, the virus – that should be uh, well investigated. One, one is that migrant community uh, migrants uh, do the kinds of jobs that haven't been shut down. They're essential. They're in the meatpacking plants. They're 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 uh, you know. I mean I mean except for people maybe who wash dishes in restaurants. I mean this is what AOC was saying this morning on some on some podcast. She's you know because her 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 district is heavily immigrant. What I thought what I thought. What I took you to task for a little last night on Twitter was I thought you tweeted super imprecisely. You made it sound like it was about diversity. You you said like I what'd you say? You said I think if you plotted diversity on one axis and and disease, you know, COVID incidents on the other, you'd see a clear pattern or something, but you weren't talking about diversity. I mean, my community is diverse. There's a lot of South Asians here, but that's not what you mean. Um, I mean, they are they are immigrants, and, and, and it's ethnic diversity. And then that there's is what that, I meant. Why isn't that what I meant? Well, you think you would have a higher incidence of it in my area because of the presence of South Asians, well, immigrants from India. Well, for one thing, I mean, there's the standard. Uh, I, I actually had a list of uh, eight reasons why diversity might uh, encourage the virus, and then one of the most obvious is the Robert Putnam reason, which is he argues that. All firms of trust and social cohesion uh, get looser, lesser when you have diversity. He didn't like that because people trust each other less. Uh, whereas in a homogeneous society like South Korea, maybe you can get everybody marching in the same direction more easily 
if everybody's part of the same ethnic group. I'll, I'll bet I don't you, like I'll that. Bet you, I'll bet you I don't anything. Like that, but that's a he de- he decided that was I'll a bet social you fact. Anything that right here where I am in Central New Jersey, there is a higher incidence of mask wearing among Asian, both East Asian and South Asian immigrants than non-immigrants. So well, that look, would then be a the, good then thing. The, then the graph would show that that was the case. I'm just saying we should investigate it. Then your then the graph would vindicate your position. That would be a very interesting finding. Uh, well, I, I don't mean, think that would happen. There's it's so also many variables. The, I mean, it's also what, that diverse groups are more open to the outside world. Uh, they may there may be a culture of resentment and distrust. Uh, they might be. Uh, insular ghettos as seems to have happened in sweden with the somali community uh if you have a no-go zone perhaps it's hard for the central government to get its message across uh well, in the no-go no-go zone these no-go they tend zones to be exploited they tend to be powerless so their employer makes these, them work under unsafe conditions they don't have the power to do that to resist that well uh i, I uh, would they say alleged no uh, Alleged be- no-go zones have a tendency to not to turn out to actually be no-go zones upon upon close inspection. But anyway, go ahead. You don't think that in the the uh, the areas around Paris, and ten years ago I would remember what they're called. Uh, I I think those are the very ones that turned out not to be no-go zones. If you mean the police don't go there and stuff. Uh, no, but I but they they might be resistant to government authority in a way. Similar to the way American ghettos are sometimes resistant to government authority. I mean, when it, it, the other thing that happens, which is weird, is that, uh, you know, groups that are, are the last to get the virus begin to think they're immune. When, when Gavin Newsom, as a liberal a governor as you're going to find, uh, introduced his, uh, Surgeon General, who is as liberal a person as you're going to find, to talk about this incident, what did she say? She said, uh, African-Americans do not believe this rumor that you are immune to the coronavirus, okay? There was a rumor in the community that uh, that somehow blacks didn't get this, just as there was a rumor in India that Indians didn't get this because it was Well, there a, was a rumor in right-wing you know, circles. This, these there was a rumor in right-wing circles that this whole thing is not a problem, and that didn't have much to do with ethnicity except that most of them were white. By the way, this is just an asterisk, but did you see Bill Bennett, former Secretary of Education, what he was saying on Fox News? No. He, he said the full-on version of, they told us that this required all this social distancing... And now it's only going to kill as many people as the flu. Ki- I mean, he didn't seem to yeah, get yeah. that. Obviously, if you had not done all this social distancing, we would have a way, way higher death toll. That is just the most obvious fact in the world. Yeah. And he really, this guy is former secretary of education, Mickey, yeah. in, 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 yeah. uh, in what? George, George W. In whose administration? Reagan, George W. First George Bush, George H.W. What? Uh, he, I, he was drug czar. He was a lot of things. I, I actually have had have tremendous respect for the guy, but uh, but uh, I'm I'm disappointed. I, I, thought at least, I thought I didn't have nearly as low opinion of him as I have now. I don't know if he's like lost it or what. This is just like this is weird, and um, it's weird that Fox is is into this message. I mean, this is just so obviously stupid. Well, keeping uh, we'll get we'll get to the diversity in a second. Oh, right. Keep in back mind to, that Fox. Back to minorities, keep in mind yes. that Fox is run now by people who do not share the views of the base. They just want to milk the base for money. 
So they will take whatever jag they think the base wants, even if they think it's insane, uh, in order to uh, keep the viewers coming in. And they're no longer it's no longer run by people who are of, like Ailes, who at least yeah. now, are Ailes of, was, the, of the movement yeah. that they are creating. Now, he was a true ideologue. It's true. Uh, so anyway, the of course, there are other reasons why people might poo-poo the virus. All I'm saying is diversity creates a whole new uh, possibilities. It's a the, possibility. The, I haven't it's seen, also, you know. It, it's also possible that there, that there are cultural things like bat soup that the diverse groups bring that are bad. I don't think that's a factor in Sioux Falls. Did you say bat soup, B-A-T? Yes. Who eats uh, bat soup? Sorry? Who eats bat soup? Well, you can go to... I, you can go on the web and see a video of a Chinese person eating bat soup. They eat bat oh, soup Oh, that in reminds China. me. That reminds me. Did you say on our podcast they in China they are burning people in body bags alive? Did you say that? That was a rumor at one point. I may have passed it on as a rumor. Well, I found out where it came from. You know who? You know where that comes from? Falun you know, Gong. No, it's it's uh, in some ways worse. The the so Steve Bannon, you know, has this patron who is a Chinese. Did you read my Steve Bannon piece in my newsletter, the Non-Zero newsletter? I was going to, but I ran out of time. You really should, Mickey. It's, if you it's, hadn't moved it's up been the much start, if you hadn't moved up moved us up an hour, I would have read it. It's been much much lauded. Um, I'm the, savoring. I'm saving it for uh, like. A, I can see the eager anticipation, but let me say so. So Steve Bannon turns out to have this patron. Chinese billionaire expat. He's in the U.S. He's been charged with bribery and a lot of other things by the Chinese government. He, of course, denies it. He His goal is to overthrow the Communist Party before they put him in prison. And Bannon gets, uh, uh, according to a report from Axios a, a year or two ago, he was getting a million dollars a year from this guy uh, that we know of per, in personal income. And, uh, I mean, you know, funneled through a, uh, he didn't acknowledge it, but it was being funneled through a, a, a company connected to this guy. His, his name is Guo, G-U-O, I think. And, um, anyway, it was on one of his little media outlets that they had some person in China claiming that she saw people in body bags being burnt, which is just implausible in the face of it. Come on, if you're gonna, if you're gonna kill all. people, you do a better job of it than that, you know? I didn't bring that, I didn't, I didn't bring that up, and I. Uh, the only version I had heard was that they heard screaming from people in in crematoriums. But uh, <laughs> that seems like did, a closely related rumor. Mickey. I didn't bring that up. The, the rumor I brought up was harvesting organs of live people. Yeah, like what? Anyway, uh, was, uh, my final indictment of you. Before you get back on your thing, we got an email. This is serious. As long as you're bringing up people bringing bat soup, apparently you said on the last podcast. That, uh, according to this uh, person who wrote in, that uh, you went so far as to say that, quote, the Chinese trade and eat discarded lab rats. Uh, this person goes on to say, I think I heard you clicking your tongue on that, but I wish you would push back stronger on this kind of naked racism. By the way, the person who wrote in has a Chinese name. Uh, I wish you had challenged him to produce the evidence or stop spreading such pernicious racist rumors. What do you say to that? Well, what's well, well? There is a virus that's sweeping the world that came from somewhere, so people are allowed to speculate where it came from. Wait, wait, wait! And that no, was Mickey, that was Mickey speculation. Question. No, no. I mean, the question is: Is it true or not? It's not racist if it's true. 
Wait, the question he, is, is it true? The, 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 the virus came from China. We have to figure out he where. He wants evidence uh, that, uh, for your uh, suggestion that people in China eat discarded I'm laboratory not, rats. Well, I, I, it, it was speculated. I'm speculating. You're allowed to speculate. Wait, y- you didn't even see this somewhere? No, I did see it somewhere. Oh, you don't know where? I'm not making it up. No, I, 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 I would so really encourage you to be. I mean, they're, they're, they're actual, you know, there's. I'm actual, sorry if this guy took offense, but you got to speculate where it came well, it from. Well, it isn't just a guy taking offense. It's the actual problem of racism being fomented by uh, pernicious misinformation. And, you know, you are plugged into some information channels that are just not to be trusted on these things. It's possible, but uh, the the balance, if you've noticed, the balance of respectable opinion is shifting dramatically toward the, this the, coming the from a lab somewhere. Coming from a lab is different, Mickey. We can talk about that. I'm happy to. You said they were eating the rats that came from the labs. Well, that's one of the mechanisms that's talked about. Probably not the main one, but it's you're allowed to talk about it. Well, the, the main one that's talked about, I mean, there's now a specific scenario that was trotted out via a leak from the administration, I think, and then fed back to Trump at a press conference by a CNN reporter. And it's that at this laboratory where they were researching the uh, bat viruses, uh, you know, this is not a bioweapons uh, initiative. Uh, it's It's trying to figure out how you stop these viruses that an intern infected her boyfriend who then went to the seafood market where they first thought the outbreak had come from that that's now uh the scenario i've heard i I don't think you need to get into people eating rats i mean you know um the the um well that seems more likely i agree but there are also other aren't there other theories that it didn't even come from wuhan it started somewhere else and somebody traveled to wuhan and I guess, so, but there uh, is, you know, there is, there is news on this front this week. Did you read the Josh Rogan piece about the laboratory in the Washington Post? I skimmed it. What did it? What? What was the? Well, gist it's, of it? it's important. I mean, you know, people like Bannon are hailing it as as just the story they've been waiting for, but it actually cuts both ways because um, the story is that in 2018, there's a lab. This is a P4, you know, highest security level lab in China. They were researching these viruses. And first of all, it turns out this has been a collaborative. This is not some like secret lab. Uh, Our own government funded our researchers to collaborate with these Chinese researchers in investigating these labs. Uh, In 2018, the Chinese let us inspect the labs. And what uh, there was a State Department that came uh, cable that came back as a result of that, that warned that the um that the safety precautions seemed inadequate and uh it 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 uh said that look they would like more they would welcome more help from us to make the lab safe we should give them the help this state department cable recommended the trump administration give them help in 2018 making the lab more secure the trump administration did not do that okay that seems to me an important fact if it turns out that a, that a virus escaped from this laboratory, I don't know how willing they would have been to accept our help. Uh, it uh, seems clear lab, they would have been. But, uh, there, there was a history of collaboration. Um, and so it's jo- ra- Josh Rogan it's, says it's racist to say that it might come from lab rats, but it's not racist to say their safety precautions were inadequate. Got of it. Of course not. Of course not in the same way. No, obviously not. 
That's that goes without saying. I mean, you know, incompetent administrative incompetence is, transcends ethnicity. You see it everywhere. You don't see uh, what we consider bizarre eating and and unhygienic eating customs everywhere. And these are the kinds of things well, that there, there's also respect a respectable call to shut down these wet markets. In fact, there's an interesting wrinkle, which is that the Ann Coulter is. Uh, is against thinks that the uh, the came from the lab theory uh, cuts against her agenda, which is uh, uh, weird cultural customs like eating bat soup. So she right uh, she would prefer is sort that. of rooting for the bat soup explanation. I'm surprised she hasn't Not, gone with rat soup personally. You should you should point out that that would really be a, a more effectively racist thing to say. Uh, no, I mean there if. if if it didn't come from the lab and it did come from the wet market, which is the, which is the, uh, the official Chinese government version, then it did come from, uh, transmission of, uh, animals that people eat, Bob. So the Chinese government is racist against itself. Uh, that, I mean, enough with the charges of racism. We're trying to figure out what's going on here. Okay. But I do think, no, I, I, but I'm serious. I think the guy has a good point. I mean, I think, First of all, you should be wary of bizarre-sounding stories that do happen to have kind of at least vaguely racist vibes uh, that don't really pass the smell test. It's not test a racist with, vibe. It's oh, just come on. exaggerated come on. vibe. Come on. You, you don't think actual racists would welcome uh, the ability the to say, hey, they eat dead lab rats over there? That the test isn't what actual racists would welcome. The test is whether it's it's a plausible uh, scenario. It's, I, it's it, it, it's it's like the Kuwait incubators. It's did did Saddam's troops kill babies in incubators in Kuwait? Okay, it was it turned out to be a completely bogus story made up by the Saudi PR firm. But uh, are you racist for? No, no, because entertaining that, it. No, no, because the whole point of that was to document what a brutal authoritarian he was and his regime was. That wasn't a. You, there, there is a difference. There are certain kinds of allegations that that you can imagine feeding racism, and certain kinds that clearly are designed to do something else. I mean, for example, Bannon is taking pains to not sound racist. It's all about the CCP, the brutally authoritarian communist Chinese Communist Party. And and that's a different messaging thing. I mean, I, I, he's overstating it massively, he's, but he's different from Col- from Coulter. Coulter thinks that's the agenda of globalists who uh, who just want to replace the CCP and then everything is fine. Wow, she should they should like go head to head. That would be very good. Well, well see, it's a she, great idea. Now this is interesting because she's being truer to what, in a way, is the pure version of Trumpist ideology, right? Like. Um, we're not about fomenting tension with other nations particularly or getting into their human rights record. And this is something people have pointed to about Bannon. All of a sudden, he's all concerned about human rights in a way that he didn't used to be. And the question is, is that because this guy Guo is paying him to do that? Or is that because he just thinks it feeds into an effective Trump anti-China, blame China messaging strategy or what? But in a way, Ann Coulter is being... The pure Trumpist here, I guess. Wait, all of a sudden, Bannon is what? He, he's he's all of a sudden all about human rights in other countries. Whereas, right. I thought 
I thought Trump's foreign policy was in some ways, you know, realist in the sense of not being in favor of intervening in other countries' business, right? Right. Well, I I don't think I, I don't think uh, Coulter would would poo poo the human rights abuses in China, but uh, she is a cultural based immigration skeptic, right? And so she thinks that there are certain cultures that just don't fit in. Well, here, or if they do fit in, it'll take 30 years we don't have to have them fit in. Uh, and, uh, and eating bat soup is her latest example of that. Okay. And I can show you the video of people eating bat soup. Oh, I don't, I don't deny that they may eat bat soup. I mean, look, that's, that's, who's to say? Bat soup? I mean, we eat birds. Oh, they're not birds, they're mammals. We eat mammals. We just don't eat winged mammals. Anyway. Um, we eat wing mammals too. What do we eat? Ducks. Ducks aren't mammals, are they? Oh well, how many mammals are winged? If that's your definition of mammals, not many. Just bats, <laughs> I think. Unless okay. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not an expert. Um, in these good point. I guess birds are cold blooded, aren't they? Birds are cold blooded, and they say you have lost something since the '90s. No, 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 no. No, I picked up on that pretty quickly. I think. Yeah, uh, it's like instantaneous. Um, the uh, and I don't know. It seems to me also the final, the most, the most treacherous grounds for worrying about immigration is migration and the virus. Is uh, you know, do they have built up immunities? If, you know, when 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 whites exposed themselves to Indians, all of a sudden the Indians were wiped out by diseases they didn't have immunities for. I'm not a scientist. There may be some weird thing going on with uh, where you have a lot of different groups that have different kinds of immunities that built up uh, might produce bad outcomes. I don't know. I the the person who the person who I first saw admit that vast migrations might encourage the spread of disease was Paul Krugman in a in a blog item that I doubt. Uh, He's repeated very often, but it's obviously true. If you have vast migrations of people, there can be bad epidemiological consequences. Mm-hmm. Anyway. True. Uh, well, I would just I, – I, I, the main thing is last night I thought your tweet about diversity per se wasn't really even what you meant, and you should have been clear. I also thought it was the kind of tweet where you're used to being – in a certain ecosystem of Twitter, and you don't recognize sometimes how un- just kind of unclear some things are to p- those I, of us outside of the ecosystem. I, I meant exactly what I said, which is there's probably some academic definition of diversity. Yeah, but yeah, but no, you, you, could, are, you no, could no, use but that you, to find something out. No, but you were talking about migrants. That's different from diversity. If you if you if you took all the migrants, the recent migrants out of America, you would still have ethnic diversity, and that and that's one point I would make is is I think. Um, you know, you, you would also find not just migrant communities disproportionately affected by this, African American communities, and they clearly are. And I would think that a lot of that, uh, has to do with income. In general, I would say if you correct for income, a certain amount of the, uh, disproportionate effect you're seeing on migrants and, uh, non-migrant minorities goes away. Because it has to do what? with the kinds of uh, places you live if you have lower income, the kinds of jobs you do, the fact that you still have to take public transportation, and so on. Well, that's a very good point that you have to distinguish between migrants and diversity 
That's what I meant. That's what I meant. Okay. Well, that's a good point. You need two graphs. You want a graph of diversity and a graph of migration, and maybe the migration explains all the diversity. Uh, or maybe they maybe they would show that neither of those has any effect on the incidence of again. This disease. I think you correct for I income and a lot. All, a lot goes I doubt away. that it's all poverty. Maybe not. Might be. Uh, may I, well I, not I, be. Uh, you know, but, it's hard. It's uh, hard to do the math. Find out. That's what you'd find out. It's hard to do the math because there are so many variables. Like like here in in where I live, the overwhelming variable is proximity to New York. That swamps almost everything. You know, I mean, it's like. I think I think even Cuomo has said, "Why did we get the virus? Because we're we're a di- we're a diverse city that's open to the world." So well, there is that, but but now that brings me to another thing. Well, I mean, first of all, New York City is tailor made for this. The, the the pedestrian density, the the density on public transformation. There's no other city in America where a virus is going to spread like that. But also, yes, it's open to the world. But that that leads me to this, which is. You know, I, I'm not saying you're looking for scapegoats, but obviously you've seen yourself accused on Twitter of looking for scapegoats when you emphasize migrants. And I would just say, who brought this into the country? Cosmopolitan elites brought it into the country by and large. There's a famous, in fact, the first case here in Princeton came from the bo- famous bio, infamous Biogen conference in Boston, which was a huge vector of transmission. And I think that was somebody who had flown in from Italy or something. And then people spread from the Biogen conference all over. And he, one of them went to a party here in Princeton. Eight people emerged from 10 with that from it and, and, and so on. So I don't, I don't he, think, bla- I don't think blaming cosmopolitan elites is antithetical to the Steve Bannon agenda. No, I wrote a piece about this in the non-zero newsletter at nonzero.org early on. I said, look, and in fact, I'm surprised that this narrative has not taken shape more. I said, you know, from Red America, this could look like this This was brought to them by Blue America. It hits the blue states first and more specifically by the very coastal cosmopolitans Trump has I, taught them to hate. I think that's totally taken hold. I, I think Ron Brownstein wrote about this weeks ago. I Yeah, well, uh, the, that was it, about it the time. Plays, I, it I, plays into a lot of... Uh, of, of red state Bannon-esque views to, that are not completely insane. Yeah, that was when I put it in the newsletter. It was that same week. Okay. Um, the, uh, so what else is there? The, uh, this is the World Health Organization. Do you want to attack uh, them? Well, I, I think they screwed up. Uh, not as, you know, big, they not said, as, not as bigly as people think. I don't know. They 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 delayed notifying various people. They they said don't wear masks. Masks are important. They said there's no human to human human to human transmission. They, they were didn't wrong say about that. that. They didn't say that. That's what people. They did. They, no, what they said. Okay. They reported that as of there's an infamous tweet on January 14th where they report that China has found no quote clear evidence of human-to-human trans- transmission. Right. And that that turns out to come from a... There's a January 13 World Health Organization statement. That the tweet is taken from that. And if you read the whole thing in context, it says, uh, you know, it, it talks about... A tra- they, they have... 
they have found a traveler in Thailand. It's, there's now somebody outside China says, as the traveler did not report having visited the market linked to most of the other cases, it is vital that investigations continue to identify the source of infection. It says, uh, to date, China has not reported any cases of infection among healthcare workers based on the available evidence. There's no clear evidence of human to human transmission, but then it says additional investigation is needed to ascertain the presence of human-to-human transmission. It is critical to review all available information to fully understand the potential transmissibility among humans. I mean, they reported the fact that China, as of January 13, 14, had not, that it reported having found no clear evidence, and, and that is actually plausible given what we know about the way the local officials were skewing the data presented to national officials. Another piece that just that was published this week that's gotten not much attention, an Associated Press piece, a real kind of scoop about a, a Chinese um, a teleconference or, or, or some kind of conference call with national officials spreading the word to uh, regional officials this is on January 14th, saying that they worry that this is going to become a big thing. They should prepare for it. But even then, even in an internal communication, they say that there's evidence that, quote, suggests human-to-human transmission. So I, I think all this is consistent with the fact – and this is what I said in my World Health Organization well, piece, which which is on, in the in, at nonzero.org, but the um, – which is that – what China did is what you what what institutions do in crisis control. They say, "What is the most reassuring thing we can say?" That's technically true. Technically, we don't have clear evidence. Let's say that and figure out what the hell we're going to do. Well, they were just figuring right, things it's, out. But a week, not a week later, food, everything was clear. It's not the job of the WHO to replicate what the Chinese government, like like any government, does. It's the job of the WHO to safeguard the the international health. And uh, that was a very irresponsible summary of of what the longer paper and it's the tweet is what most people read and the tweet was ridiculous. Well, very the tweet, even the tweet was technically second point was technically was true at the time. It technically true is not what we want WHO to do. We want the WHO no, to be I, responsible look, and to help people survive. In my piece, and they didn't do that. In my piece, I do chastise them for this. Well, but, good, good for you. But but one thing I haven't checked is whether the tweet was actually one in a series. That put it in context. It, it, they didn't put it in a thread, and maybe they should have, but it could be that it was a series of tweets. Okay. The, um, se- the second point is, apparently Chinese doctors were so frustrated by the government's inability to recognize it that they leaked to some Taiwanese uh, sort of uh, message board that there is human-to-human context. I think I have this right. And the Taiwanese informed the WHO and the WHO ignored the Taiwanese. So screw well, the WHO. Well, no, wait, no, wait. The WHO is gu- is guided by like a whole, you know, documentary and kind of like a constitution. It has the things it does and doesn't do. Taiwan is for better or worse and for worse, not a member. And and blame Richard Nixon. You know, when, when, it, the deal he made with China when they entered the, the UN was, OK, we'll just kick Taiwan entirely out of the UN. I never got that, but they did it. And one legacy of that is that Taiwan is not part of the WHO. The WHO's job is to take data from its member nations and disseminate it. That's what it does. Well, it it doesn't WHO have an independent has- investigative arm. If the WHO has protocols that lead it to delay warning the world of a uh, of a deadly pandemic, 
it seems to me you're allowed to condemn the WHO no matter where that those ridiculous protocols come from. And obviously the ridiculous protocols come from China. Nixon didn't do it of his own. Nixon did it because China insisted on it. Well, so wait, screw China. I, wait, Nixon signed on to the deal. I don't know that he had to. I know, but to. he did it. He signed on the deal because position. the Chinese insist and still insist to this day. If China changed its mind and said, hey, WHO, maybe when Taiwan warns you of a deadly pandemic, you should take it seriously, then the WHO might behave differently. Well, no, the WHO has its rules. It, it fundamentally consists of its member states and disseminates information among them that comes from them. That's what it does. It doesn't well, have the a rules team are of stupid investigative and this rule comes from China. So it seems no, to me it Trump is Mickey, allowed to condemn the WHO. Mickey, the rule doesn't come from China. The rule, we signed on to the rule. It, the rule is the rule that created the WHO and then, uh, and then amended its, uh, its rules along the way. Bob, you sound like a horrible bureaucrat. Mickey, I'm just saying, if you're running any organization, you you are constrained by what by what the ground rules governing the the, the organization are. China did and, not. And impose- we're allowed to say that the organization so created by these ground rules, which were put there at the insistence of China, screwed up. I don't think it absolves Trump of. No, I com- said that. I Trump said of responsibility. He has huge responsibility, and I think he's going to lose the election because of it. I- All I'm saying is, you're allowed to condemn these horrible rule bound. UN organizations that don't react well to a pandemic because they have these stupid rules. I'm happy to change the rules in any number. And one thing I said in the piece at nonzero.org uh, is um, to uh, you just scroll down on the homepage and you'll see it. The, the, uh, is that I'm fine with a congressional investigation of the WHO. I think there should be one. I say that. And I say that if you really are a fan of global governance, a progressive fan of global governance, as I am, you shouldn't reflexively defend these institutions. They make mistakes. It looks like the WHO made some. We should investigate. Now, we shouldn't cut the funding before we do the investigation. But I the mean, funding was just a way to get their attention. But, I mean, look at – you're an advocate of global governance, okay? Yep. Uh, the simplest thing to do – is health-related global governance. Warn us of pandemics. Here's a a case where they can't even do that without screwing it up. So what hope is there for the rest of global governments that you want? They can't even do the simplest damn thing. Mickey, the main... The main thing the WHO has the power to do, the most important declaration it can make is a declaration of a... This isn't the technical term, but it's a world health emergency. It's a... I forget the whole thing. It did that on January 30th, okay? Uh, and it's easy to think, well, maybe it should have done it earlier, but, but, but it's also easy to forget how little had actually happened at that point. Nobody, nobody had come close to dying in the United States. I think there was one known case in the United States. Uh, you know, and anyway, they did that way before Trump started taking it seriously. Way before. And and basically, my my main point is like you're seeing this thing like China. There was a cover up. There was this. China did you know what for better or worse, uh, it behaved like an institution in crisis, particularly an authoritarian institution that had this particular relationship between the federal and the local government. I wish it were better, and we had known things a couple weeks earlier. But 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 Mickey, a week after this infamous tweet. We knew basically everything. China said, okay, this is like huge. We are shutting down Wuhan a week, 10 days later. I'm with Walter Russell Mead. They are still lying about their death count to this day. 
they revised not, not it the upward. That's we don't know everything. We don't know how many people died. So there are all these charts with China has solved the problem. No, they haven't. How do you know that? How do you know they're lying? We don't know that nobody believes them. The, the evidence from reporting Wait, on the ground is you're saying you know they're lying because you don't believe them. That's your evidence. Look, at some point, you you tend to believe the scuttlebutt over the official uh, official res- pronouncements of this regime, which is an authoritarian Mickey. regime. So of course they do it, and they have this weird federal state of state arrangement. So of course they do it. Well, at some point, all those excuses add up to we don't believe the regime. Okay. Mickey, if you spend your time in a right-wing echo chamber, I recommend not believing the scuttlebutt. I'm or just doing what was on the non-zero org newsletter. Oh, You've explained them so much that, that, of course, nobody believes them. Wait, what? You have explained why they, why an authoritarian, all regimes, especially an authoritarian regime, especially a regime which has a weird federal-state relationship, that's enough for us to doubt. Just what we take away from nonzero.org is enough for us to doubt the Chinese. It's not enough to, to, and look, it could be that they're hugely understating the death count. Again, look, we are probably understating the death count. In any event, they revised their death count upward by 50%. Now, it was a modified limited hangout, I thought. That's a pretty significant number. And and if they are what you say, uh, and and, and just want to cover up at all costs, why would they even do that? Because world opinion demanded a, a, a recount because what the numbers they put out were transparent bullshit. That's a theory, and it could be true. I'm just saying I'd like to see evidence, and I haven't heard any from you, except that your friends say it's true. Why? No, there's evidence from Wuhan of the crematorium. We've been through this. Oh, oh the people I mean, you're screaming in this at the crematorium? Anything, you can't say anything that contradicts the official count unless you have evidence. No, unless you have, like, rock-solid evidence. No, you can speculate. Well, you can speculate, but if it's just speculation, then that's all it is. Well, I, you know, it's but possible. But at some point, at some point, the speculation becomes more plausible than the official story. I, I will say that they're more likely to be covering it up than we would be. It's a less transparent society. It's an authoritarian government. It could be. I just was hoping or thinking there might be actual you know, like, stronger evidence. And the other thing it is, might, I mean, it, it might be like my my theory that Fauci was covering up the AIDS numbers, which you very tactfully uh mentioned to him in person but yeah. uh i don't think it's like that i think it's more solid than that it's not just paranoia china is a huge country it makes obvious sense that they would have a higher death but, toll but, than but, they have one reason to. i dwell on this people like bannon are suggesting that he said something if i understand it he said he's heard that china would be happy to swallow the death of 50 million 15 million chinese if it meant that they could infect the rest of the world with this virus he didn't quite say it like that but i think that was his vibe i mean that's the kind of crackpot crazy theories that are getting out there on the fringes and i just want to be as clear as possible about what the evidence we actually have about what china did and why they did it and and uh, i just think uh they're, I mean, look, they are in some sense uniquely responsible. It started there. It was a, it was, there was insufficient regulation either of a wet market or of a laboratory. All that's true. And, uh, they could have been, uh, quicker on the draw. On the other hand, in terms of who, who to blame for what's happening in America, they dealt with it much more rapidly than Trump dealt with our problem. Much more. What? Um, I haven't, have I promoted that Bannon theory? That is the obvious crackpot theory. 
uh, could still be true, but uh, nothing that you were attacking me for promoting a much milder theory, which is that they're uh, misstating their death count. Mickey, uh, this is just like old times, you know, me yelling at you. I said it's good. It's good if it you yell. Good. It's good TV. It's good if you yell. Yelling mm-hmm. is good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, um, that is the, uh, the obvious, uh, extreme theory, which is that China inflicted this onto the world intentionally. And I've actually seen some, some, uh, I think, uh, articles in Real Clear Politics, which is a test of a threshold of respectability, not total respectability, uh, so I think that is gaining traction, but but that isn't what you were attacking me for. No, I'd be happy to. I, it, really, there was something on Real Clear Politics suggesting that. I think they, you know, they linked to a bunch of diverse articles, and 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 what you know, they were they were also willing to name the whistleblower. So they're 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 a level below the mainstream respectability. That, but, that, is, uh, that is flat out nuts. So that they start an epidemic in their own country. <laughs> You know, I mean, come on. If you want to have these these paranoid theories, let's at least give them credit for having the brains to, like, transport the virus to America and unleash it here. It's an interesting – has the Communist Party's hold on power been increased or decreased by the pandemic? It's an interesting question. I assume it's been decreased. I I think – I think – and by the way, uh, Eli Massey, um, managing editor of Current Affairs, uh, further having corrected, been among those who corrected the way we were pronouncing the first syllable of the Chinese president's name, which we now is she. Now I've, know I've she. avoided mentioning it. For that he, he, I think he said I got something wrong about the rest. So it's not Xi Jinping. Maybe it's Xi Jinping. Anyway, um, just call him Xi. Where was I going? I suspect he, which is a she, is terrified, right? Is seriously concerned. You know, people tend to underestimate the extent to which authoritarian leaders actually live in fear of the opinion of their people, but they, but they do. And um, I suspect well, he's very worried. Well, and they're in there in a somewhat position analogous to Trump, which is their even worse. Their continuation in power supposedly is based on fulfilling the promise of perpetual economic growth, mm-hmm. and. And they haven't fulfilled that. They're they're no, I and mean, then GDP they're, is going down. They are in recession. It's so. the first. It's the first negative growth number in God knows how many years we're getting out of China. Yeah. Um, so I think we agree on that. The uh, that their position is weakened. What do I know? But their position is weakened by the pandemic, not strengthened. So it makes it would be irrational for them to unleash it intentionally. Um, the did you know that Nicaragua was developing atomic weapons? <laughs> no. I mean, no, but it, I'm not surprised that uh, the outlets you read are saying it. Is it true? No, this was in the Financial Times. Apparently, they've 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 formally said they're shifting resources from the development of nuclear weapons to fighting the virus. Uh, this was in the Financial Times, which is as respect a pretty respectable publication. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, there is a way. There is a way to fight the proliferation of nuclear weapons. Um, subjecting nations to economic sanctions because you don't like their governments is not part of that but recipe, I, in my. But view. if that's true, why hasn't the Trump administration gone absolutely batshit about that? 
Well, what are they going to do? They're sanctioning them as strongly as you can sanction a country, probably. So what what are they going to do? I mean, Trump doesn't are like we, actually Are we sanctioning countries. the Ortega regime as, as much as we could? I don't oh, know. oh, 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 I'm sorry. I, I was, this isn't um, Venezuela. Yeah, this yeah, is I was thinking Venezuela. So, um, God, you were sharper 10 years ago, too. Actually, I was never good at that kind of thing. Names have always been a problem for me. Nicaragua. <laughs> Especially those Latin names. Yeah. Nigeria. Nicaragua is the one on the Western Hemisphere, right? So... No, so um, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if we have some anyway. sanctions. Um, I, it just hard to think that they've got a very advanced um, nuclear weapons program. But I um, don't know. You know, I, this is a whole hobby horse of mine. Global governance. We should be much more on the case with with uh, weapons proliferate. And this is this is the price you pay for fomenting all the tension with China, which Trump is. It's now in his political interest to uh, foment. Yeah. Although, you know, his donor, a big donor, Sheldon Adelson, is against fomenting tension with China, so we may not see as much of that. I do think that uh, this whole, writ large, this whole attempt to deflect blame from Trump will not succeed and that, he, he you know, he he's his re-election chances have been rightly, deeply jeopardized by his failure to react quickly. Well, so. I think it's going to depend on, I mean, look. We didn't. I mean, maybe we're we've been talking a long time, and we should probably draw to a close. Sure. But but on this issue, we kind of were talking about at the beginning of like how do you transition from lockdown to some higher degree of economic activity? I think a lot of it's going to depend on that in terms of his yeah, sure. political fortunes. And I think you know what we're going to need to see that we haven't heard about certainly from the administration much, but we're going to need, and we probably will see from some of these groups of governments, uh, governors, is is very, you know, clear and in some cases dramatic plans from emerging from lockdown that involve, I mean, for example, I can imagine there being a certification that retail outlets get that, that, that like, um, it's the it's the New York State certification for openness, and it means maybe who knows if it's a restaurant, maybe your workers are tested once a week, and we verify that they're tested. You know, it obviously involves distance of tables. It obviously involves availability of hand sanitizers on tables. Who who knows what else? But but things like that. But more than that, it, it's going to require uh, a clear. Uh, testing and contact tracing regime, which we haven't just haven't heard much about from actual government outlets so far as I know. And that may call for technologies that either do or don't invade our privacy. We've seen both kinds of ideas floated. Um, but we're, we, but, we, you know, we're going to have to see. But the testing, it. the testing isn't happening as that's what we started with. They've, the official Trump thing is give, give up on testing. And that's because the testing isn't there. They, Not there they yet, but, they but can't and, and yet some, some countries ha- are doing a much better job. It must be impo- uh, in principle doable. Germany's doing a better job of testing. You would think maybe they've they they've gotten all the reagents that we need and all they've commandeered all the cotton swabs. It is it's just it's very frustrating how how ineffective our testing regime is. And this is my point. I think Trump is not the leader we want in this situation, and voters are going to take it out on him. The only thing that is preventing them from doing that is the feebleness of the Democratic candidate. And this this is a point I actually wanted to bring up is 
if Biden is as out of it as he seems, I mean, he's not he's obviously capable of making decisions and et cetera, et cetera. But he doesn't have a lot of energy. Uh, uh, who is actually going to be if we vote for Joe Biden, who is actually going to be running the government? It seems to me the press needs to focus intensely on who his core of advisors are. Is, it, is Tom Donlan going to run the government? Is Bruce Reed going to run the government? Is Susan Rice going to run the government? Uh, it looks like it's the uh, I wouldn't put Bruce and Bruce Reed in this category, but it looks like it's the usual suspects you would you would expect. Ron Klain, various people. And do we will they really do a good job? I don't know. Uh well, I, I worry that certainly on foreign policy, they won't do the job I would want. I mean, one thing his, uh, let's just say, lack of uh, proactive energy will lead to is that the foreign policy establishment just completely swallows him. I mean, there was a there was a mildly encouraging thing about how he's officially open to Bernie foreign policy advisors joining. That would help. That if if, if like Matt does. Had a significant job that that would help, but I worry that if who had a significant job, Matt does. He was Bernie's foreign policy guy. Do oh. you know Matt? So no, I don't. I don't. I don't know for so name names of the evil uh, establishment people who might uh, influence well, Biden, and what's what's so evil about their influence? Well, Hillary's uh, guy Jake Sullivan, I think, uh, as I understand it, was on board with her extreme liberal hawkism. I mean, pretty much the whole establishment. There's a reason they call it the blob. It's like uh, it's like, like everybody US- except a few people at the Quincy Institute. You know, that's the Quincy Institute against the world. Um, Who, who's at the Quincy Institute? Well, it's this new, you know, interesting think tank that was created, you know, famously through a combination of George Soros money and Koch money. You know, because one of the Koch brothers is is on foreign policy very anti-militarism. He's very right. old-fashioned right-wing anti-intervention. So, so there's money from the left and the right, so it's kind of like and, and so you could say it's kind of leftist, you know, progressive realists as I've called them and, and conservative realists but they're all together in one uh, thing, the, the Quincy Institute. And um, but, but it's, you know, it's not its goal is to become part of the establishment. At, at the moment, it's a, a kind of a maverick right. and a renegade. And well, like, like you have two uh, video casters uh, as part of your blob podcast, uh, Anna Marie and uh, Dan Dresner. Not Anna Marie. You mean Heather Hurlburt? Oh, I thought is that who she talks to? I thought I thought that's, who, that's who Dan talks to. I thought he, he talked talks. to Anna Marie Slaughter. That's how much I. No, That's it's been a while right. since she she's been on blogging heads like a decade or so ago. But um Okay. Heather is, Heather is a little of? less blobbish than her. What? Are those the people you're thinking of? They're not on my wavelength. Um I I I had a dialogue with Dan about the blob and and he pretty much accepted the premise that he was part of it and I wasn't. Uh, people can go look for it. But um uh I, I, I'm not so sure about Heather, but is, she was she was a Hillary advisor, or, or she is, had something to do with Hillary. So. Is Susan Rice one of the people you don't want to have influence? Yeah, she's apparently a disaster on a number of grounds. Um, you know, the, yeah, the Obama people had some good impulses, but by and large, you know, Obama radically amped up drone strikes. He couldn't get out of Afghanistan. And, and, and you know, the Iran deal was a true accomplishment. I, I have to give him credit for that. But... Uh, you know, as even Ben Rhodes would admit, um, you know, the, the they kept getting, you know, 
dragged back into the, the swamp, the, the, the blob. Um, I would like to see Ben Rhodes do more admitting of that. He does. A, he's a little, you know, he's a little. And now, on the other, to their credit, they did coin the term the blob. But, I mean, a good example, you ask who, 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 who would I worry about. You know, he has a podcast on the on the Crooked Media Network, Pod Save the World, which he does with this guy Tommy Vitor, who was an Obama guy, and they, they, it's not it's not bad ideologically. It's foreign policy podcast go not bad, but their latest guest of honor was Samantha Power, who kind of epitomizes the problem of of you know for out of good intentions, she'd like to do something about these. Uh, human rights situations in various countries, it just turns out that every time you try to do something, you get a bunch of people killed and don't solve the problem and make things worse. And and they all seem a little slow to pick up on the pattern that has formed here. Is she still too slow to pick up on the pattern? Because my impression early on with Bosnia, when we um, when we put pressure on Milosevic and it resulted in a massacre of some small town in, in Kosovo, she was the only one who was honest and said, oh, my God, we made a mistake. This is a disaster. She wrote a piece for the New Republic that was actually admirable. Uh, has she dropped that ability to self-criticize? Well, I, I believe she subsequently favored both the Libya intervention, uh, possibly including the the phase two part of, like, going beyond the mere protection of that one population and moving into regime change. And I believe she was probably in favor of arming uh, insurgents in Syria, which in retrospect I think was catastrophic. I could be wrong about I those think, things, but I, I think, think you're right s- about the first, and that's the one that was a huge, epic disaster. Yeah. And I would think she might have second thoughts about that. I'd be interested what she, I haven't followed what she's been saying lately. I, I don't know, but um, I mean, I, I know that there have been a couple of things I've seen with her on Twitter where I thought, I just don't remember what they were, where I thought, man, okay. she still doesn't get the picture, but uh, you know, okay, she's, she's probably had been in some way self-critical. I just, I just think we need, my question is, why is it that the foreign policy establishment is still dominated and the media is still dominated by the people who brought us the series of disasters they brought us? Why is there no accountability? That's my um, question. That's a, I agree with that. That's God bless you. Um, uh, anyway, maybe, uh, but I hope there was a lot of articles about who is influencing Biden as if we're, you know, we're, if, 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 uh, if he's as weak as he physically seems, uh, who's actually going to be running things? Trump, you don't have that worry. Mm-hmm. Trump, you worry about Trump. Biden, you worry about the people around him. Oh, I think he'll be swallowed by the blob. It's too bad because, you know, Biden himself has at least somewhat less interventionist impulses than the average prob probably the average blob member but well he was big for, he was big on uh withdrawing from iraq i don't think that was a smart move but he was he's big on withdrawing from afghanistan and tony blinken probably has slightly different views than the blob right or is tony blinken part i would of the blob? call him part of the blob i don't know that <laughs> much about him but um you know the blob there's a reason they call it the blob it swallows everything Okay. Uh, before it swallows us, we should probably call it a we day. Should, we should go. I, I've actually got a, uh, a weird kind of uh, alumni conference call I need to do in five minutes. I mean, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, but it, as it happens, uh, some uh, a college classmate sent us a picture, just sent a picture she discovered of several of us 
and it wound up leading to a Zoom call. I could enter it in this uh, age 20 uh, picture thing on Twitter, which I totally don't understand. Well, you look up, you probably looked exactly the same at 20. Oh, so guess again. You wouldn't even be able to pick me out of a lineup. But, 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 but what is the deal on that? What is that? Should I do it? You it's just one of these me. mindless, mindless, uh, Twitter things. Why Should not? I do it? Should I do it? I think it's relatively harmless. I don't see how it can be used for fishing or anything like that. Although there is some argument that it, it, it if you use these early pictures, uh, that it's used by develop, to develop facial recognition technology so they mm. can, see how people develop over the years and program their artificial intelligence to identify how people age. And so it probably serves an insidious function. Well, I don't want to do that. Are you going to do yeah. the age 20 thing? No, I don't think I have any pictures of myself at age 20. Well, you haven't changed. Thank you can God. just send one of you like now. We could just do a screenshot. Um, uh, uh, the, uh, it'll, uh, <laughs> that it'll would actually be good. My image of you is ageless. So that would actually be good. It. We should both do that. Just send a picture of us, like right now. <laughs> right. Well, that'll screw up. That'll totally screw up. The- Glenn, Gr- Glenn Greenwald tweeted one of Sean Cassidy. It was funny. Was that Sean Cassidy? I thought it was Glenn Greenwald. No, it was Sean Cassidy. I totally fell for it. <laughs> I thought I could see how it actually developed into. At first, I thought it was David Cassidy. I. But it was a Cassidy. Are Sean and David brothers? I think Megan McCardle may have fallen for it too. Maybe not. Oh, um, uh, Michael Tracy fell for it. I These totally young, fell for young it. people fell for it because they had never seen Sean Cassidy, and then and then people like you, either extremely old people or extremely young people. I anyway. I I'm not going to elaborate on why I fell for it. Um, okay. Uh, anyway, <laughs> probably shouldn't. I've okay. Already- Mickey, this has been uh, long. It's been long, man. So uh, it it reached high volume levels, which is good. We we still don't have a title for the thing. We encourage one. You better hurry. We've only guaranteed we'll do this till the end of April, so you never know. But we will be back next week. Uh, Great. Okay. See ya.